Hey everyone, and welcome back to my podcast, where it's all about movie commentaries here. Today we are talking about The Chamber of Secrets. This one used to be my favorite Harry Potter movie, but it's slowly been dwindled down to probably about fourth on my list. Probably going to give you guys a full list of my ranking of which ones are my favorite to my least favorite when we are done with all of them. So at the end of Deathly Hollows Part 2, that's when I'll have my full rundown list. But even though it got bumped out of the top three, it's still one of the funniest Harry Potter movies to me. I don't know, even rewatching it, I was still laughing at it. It's so corny, but it's still just so enjoyable. And it's before it got super dark and they got less funny as they got more dark, which is the premise of it, I understand, but still. Now, obviously, I did not work this movie, nor did I see it in theaters as we covered in the episode before. So I'm going to quit rambling and we're just going to jump right into this movie. Okay, so if you guys have been here for a minute, you know our very first thing that we have to go over is the stars of this thing. Now, all of our regulars are back. Dana Radcliffe, Rupert Grant, and Emma Watson, Alan Rickman, Maggie Smith, the list goes on and on. But we do have some newbies that have joined the party for this movie. Toby Jones joins us. He's the voice of Dobby, the house elf, which he is the best. We love Dobby. Julie Walters and Mark Williams, who are the Weasleys, they kind of were in the first one, but they really didn't have a whole lot of speaking parts. And in this film, we get to see where they live and how their family coexists together, I guess is the word I want to use. And I just love the Weasleys. Mrs. Weasley is my favorite. She says one of my favorite lines in the last movie. And I will get to that later, obviously, but she's just the tops. And plus she's in Mamma Mia and who doesn't love Mamma Mia? I know I do, but we officially meet Jenny, who is also Weasley. She is the youngest of the Weasleys, and she's played by Bonnie Wright. Now, she was also in the first one, but she didn't say one word at all, and in this movie, she does say a few, but she is more prominent in this movie, and we know who she is. Jason Isaacs also joins the party as Lucius Malfoy, Draco's dad. We get to see where his lovely personality comes from. And then Kenneth, and I'm probably going to butcher his last name, Brana. someone correct me if I'm wrong, please. He's our new Defense Against the Dark Arts professor, Gilderoy Lockhart, who is basically a heartthrob for all the girls at the school, and he is an author, but we're going to get way more into that later. And there are a ton of more people that are in these movies, and it's just way too many to name all at the beginning of the the episode and so as we dive more into these movies I will talk more and more about everybody that's in these movies like we haven't really talked a whole lot about Neville and we haven't talked a whole lot about Seamus and Dean and all these other people and we will dive into them soon I promise so just stick with me on that but that's all I'm going to talk about for today we're going to jump right into this movie and I mean it we're jumping right in Harry is back with the Dursleys for the summer they suck still but he did get his own room it was Dudley's second bedroom they were just generous enough to give it to him and let me tell you it is not a whole lot bigger than the closet he was living in it is very very small for a young boy and his owl to live in I guess out of the kindness of their hearts they thought they were doing something nice they still don't want him really in the vicinity anywhere 
and Vernon actually is hosting a party and he looks at Harry and Harry's like, oh, I'm just going to go stay in my room and pretend that I don't exist. And when we enter his room, this is where we meet Dobby. And I love Dobby. He's just so precious. How can you not love him? Yes, he is quite irritating, but he lives a very hard life, guys. We got to give him a little bit of slack there. But he kind of warns Harry to not go back to school because he doesn't really give him a reason why, honestly. He just tells him, oh, you can't go back. And he's like, why? And he's like, because. And then he tells, doesn't tell him really anything that's going on other than someone is planning something. We do actually find out that Harry hasn't heard anything from his friends, though, either while he's been home for the summer. So that kind of bums him out, obviously, because his summer sucks and he needs just a little bit of positive vibes his way and he's just not getting it. And the reason he's not getting any positive vibes is because Dobby has stolen all his letters that his friends wrote him to try and make it so that he won't go back to Hogwarts because if he thinks no one wants him there, then he's not going to go. Well, that plan surely backfired because he was going to go anyways. But then he gets pissed at Dobby because he stole all these letters and then Dobby starts making a ruckus up in his room. Aunt and uncle get pissed and then Dobby really ruins the party and gets Harry in trouble when he makes a cake levitate over his guest's head and drops the cake on the wife. So what do the Dursleys do in retaliation? They put bars on his window. How that is justified to throwing a cake on someone, I don't know. And I need to look at their parenting book because it is terrible. I mean, that's apparent when you look at Dudley and you listen to him speak. I digress. That doesn't stop him, though, from being able to escape, though, because Ron and Fred and George pop up in this flying car, nonetheless, to bust him out. They break the bars, he gets out, and, you know, all is well. Then we show up at the burrow where the Weasleys live. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, if I was in the Wizarding World, the burrow is where I would live. It is not a whole lot to look at on the outside, but the inside is so cool and it's so homey, obviously, because freaking, what, six kids live there along with their parents. So it's going to feel really homey and you get more of a look into the burrow as the movies go on and you just appreciate it more. I don't know. The burrow is my favorite and I will not be swayed. Now, is Mrs. Weasley pissed that they took this flying car to go rescue Harry? Yes. But it's for Harry, and she loves Harry. And it's so funny, because she's always like, oh, Harry, hey. And then she yells at her kids. It's very relatable to being a mom. No one else is shocked that Dumbledore also knows that Harry is with the Weasleys. So he sends their letters to Hogwarts and the list for all the supplies and everything. And they decide that they need to go to Diagon Alley, as one does, to get prepared for Hogwarts. So they are going to travel by flu powder. And this should work out reasonably well if you speak clearly and tell the flu powder where you want to go. And Ron does, says Diagon Alley, drops the flu powder in the, it's like, it looks like a big fireplace to me. Big green smoke, he goes to Diagon Alley. Well, Harry pops up to the stand and he says diagonally. And then where does he go? Nocturne Alley. Not anywhere close to diagonally or Diagon Alley, but that's where we end up. And it's a real sketchy part of Diagon Alley. It's like a little like alleyway kind of where the sketchy people hang out. Hagrid of course saves the day and we get him on the straight and narrow back to Diagon Alley 
where we meet up with Hermione and everybody else. This is where we meet Gilderoy Lockhart because he is having a book signing at the bookstore. And of course, all the girls are swooning and they just think he's just the tops and everything else. Actually, he's a big old idiot and it's very apparent when you meet him because he sees Harry Potter and he's like, oh, come do a photo op with me. It's all about the photo ops. You realize that he's pretty shallow, in my opinion. But I'll get more into him later because there's just a lot to unfold with him. We also meet at the bookstore Lucius Malfoy. And he's just a real charmer, y'all. Like, he is the bomb, best dad ever, not terrible whatsoever. No one could take sarcasm. That was all fake. He's very terrible, very mean, and I'm not surprised that Draco is the way that he is. But he, of course, insults the Weasleys. We see him grab something out of Ginny's cauldron and put it back, and you notice that there's something extra behind the book that she has. And we will dive into that later as well, but just sprinkling that little fact in there for you guys once they've got all their stuff and they're ready to go of course where do we head next but the hogwarts express and as you guys remember from the first one you have to go through the wall that is nine and ten for nine and three quarters well everybody goes in jenny's the last to go out of the group before harry and ron and then ron's parents go in after her well harry and ron go and run in and think everything's gonna be hunky-dory wrong just slam big traffic jam they can't get through well they think it's because that they've missed the train that is not the case as we find out later so they decide that the logical plan is to steal the flying car and take it to hogwarts now they get the car up in the air and harry's like i don't think muggles are accustomed to seeing a flying car which is a valid point So they make the car disappear. We're driving, we're tooting along, flying in the air. All of a sudden the car reappears. And we realize that, or Ron thinks that the visibility, whatever it's called, is faulty. I don't think that's the case, but I am not an expert on flying cars, nor am I gonna pretend to be. (laughs) They are trying to find the train. They end up finding the train because they're right in front of it. And you know, there's big drama with that. Harry almost falls out of the car. We're good. We're safe. We make it to Hogwarts. So now to park said car, you would think that they would just park it in the lawn, right? Nope. Something happens. The car starts falling. And in the process of all this, Ron breaks his wand trying to get the car to stop. Breaks it in half. There's like a little piece hanging on. And they crash this car into the Whomping Willow. And we haven't talked about the Whomping Willow because it really wasn't talked about in the first one. But that tree is mean. It will crush you and not care because it's a tree. But they fall through the Whomping Willow. It tries to get them. Well, anyways, they the car actually parks itself in the, the lawn, kicks them out of the car, and they rush in. They realize that they're late. And, of course, Snape is pissed because it's already made the news that there was a flying car outside of the train station and i'm just telling you guys that is some fast media even for now when we have social media that is fast media to get that out on a paper in like a couple of hours snape of course wants to suspend them but it's not up to him because they're not in his house it's actually up to mcgonagall because she is head of gryffindor and she decides just to give them detention so go mcgonagall we love her precious maggie smith but along with this detention letters are also written to their families 
at home and it never says what harry's aunt and uncle say so obviously they don't care which that was apparent before but either it didn't get to them or they just ripped it up because they saw it was from hogwarts but ron's parents obviously get it and he gets a response which is the most perfect response ever and we will have a whole little section for it here in just a second First, we have to be properly introduced to our new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, Mr. Lockhart. Actually, it's not Mr. It's just Professor. Professor Lockhart. He's something. He decides for his first day, he's going to release Cornish Pixies in the class. And then when he can't control them, he just leaves it to Harry, Ron, and Hermione to get them under control. So, as we can tell, he's a top-notch professor. And there are many other times in this movie that I question how in the world he got a job as a professor and then there's tons of other questions where it's how in the world did he get the job as the defense against the dark arts professor alone because he knows nothing at all everything he does always backfires he gets kids hurt more than he does help them it's a whole big mess and I'll dive in more to him later because he has a full ending that's something but what is a harry potter movie or book without a quidditch game of course we know that harry is the seeker for gryffindor but we learn that slytherin has a new seeker and who could it be but mr draco malfoy not only is he the new seeker but his daddy also bought them brand new brooms so of course, Hermione makes a comment about how no one on the Gryffindor team had to buy their way into becoming a seeker or any other position on this team. And that in turn makes Draco call her a mudblood, which means she is muggle-born, but she is also magic. So she's not a pure blood, and that pisses Draco off. Well, to defend her honor, and I'm proud of him for this, Ron tries to cast a spell on Draco basically he wants him to eat slugs and that's what he says well remember his wand's broken so it backfires on him and in return he gets to eat the slugs which still to this day is probably the grossest thing ever watching him throw up those slugs i could live my entire life and not watch it ever again and normally i don't when i rewatch it i just kind of just look the other way because it's nasty they take him to hagrid's though and basically hagrid's like he's just gonna have to throw them all up and that's the only way we're gonna get rid of him terrible anecdote but he makes Hermione feel better about everything and we just love Hagrid he's just the most positive influence in this movie and he must be protected at all costs on to detention though for Harry which is four hours of him signing autographs on Gilderoy Lockhart's uh, you, can't, you can't really call him headshots because he's on a broom it's a moving picture but you get the idea well in the midst of this detention he starts hearing voices and it's saying kill 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 which is you know really positive for him to be hearing but he runs to go and try and find out where it's coming in return he of course runs into ron and hermione who are looking for him also well they all start running towards this sound or harry's running towards it they're just following along and when they make it to where harry stops hearing the voice we see a note written in blood and it talks about how the Chamber of Secrets has been opened. Enemies of the air, beware. And then we also find Mrs. Norris. And I am not a cat person, but I did feel really bad for this cat. She's just hanging there. And you think she's dead, but she's not. She's just petrified. But I tell you what, Filch was pissed. 
and he wanted them punished, expelled, whatever. He wanted them gone because his poor cat was in distress. Bless that man. Snape sort of defends them and says, oh, well, I didn't see him in the dining hall. And then it was just, it kind of led to, oh, they probably did it, but they got cleared. It's whatever. We all know that they're not going to get in trouble for this. But then in class with McGonagall, they of course ask about the Chamber of Secrets and what it all means. And that's when she explains about the four founders of Hogwarts, Godric Gryffindor, Salazar Slytherin, Rowena, I think it's her name, Ravenclaw, and Helga Hufflepuff. This should come as a shock to no one, but Salazar Slytherin was the one that created the Chamber of Secrets because he disagreed with the other Hogwarts founders on the merits of blood purity. He thought that you should only be a pure blood and that's how you should be able to get into Hogwarts. No muggles should be able to come. And there is a monster down in the Chamber of Secrets that basically kills muggle kids. So really great that that's just down below the school. No one seems to freak out about that because they never found the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets, so they just thought it was all a hoax. Well, obviously it's not because we now have a message written in blood. I feel like we should take that pretty serious. So, of course, the Golden Trio want to know who the heir to Slytherin is. They, of course, think it's Malfoy, and why wouldn't you think that? But they can't get close to him because, obviously, they are not friends. They decide that they're going to brew Apologies Potion to transform themselves into Crab and Goyle, and then Hermione's going to take a hair from the robe of a Slytherin girl to go along with them. But the Apologies Potion takes about a month to brew, so we've got some time to kill. So in that time to kill, we of course have a Quidditch game. It's going really terribly. Gryffindor is losing to Slytherin. They always play Slytherin. Me and my husband were talking about that, and he goes, they never play anybody else but Slytherin. But I was starting to think that I think that they play Hufflepuff in the third movie. You just don't really see a whole lot of it. But I'm getting ahead of myself, obviously. In that, we're going to go back to this game. Like I said, the game's going terrible. So it is up to Harry to catch the Golden Snitch to turn this game around. Well, let's remember that Draco is the Seeker. So obviously they're fighting over it. Well, all of a sudden, this rogue bludger comes out of nowhere, starts knocking people out. But it's after Harry. Which of course, you know, sets off red flags for everybody. That doesn't stop him from catching the golden snitch, because he does, but in the process, he also breaks his arm. And here's where Gilderoy Lockhart's lovely skills come into play. He decides that he's going to fix it, and he casts a spell. It doesn't fix his bones, it takes away all of his bones. So basically, his arm is just rubber. And when they take him to the infirmary, the nurse is obviously pissed, as she should. She says, I'm going to have to regrow your bones like that's normal. We're not going to get into it. But she is like, he should have been brought to me first. And I'm like, yes, honey, he should have. Because that man doesn't need to be anywhere near children trying to help them. Because he just makes situations a hundred times worse. While we're in the infirmary, we get some more time with those weird voices that Harry keeps hearing. But then all of a sudden, Dobby shows up. And he is not scolding Harry, but he is saying, hey, this is the reason you should come back to Hogwarts. There's so much that's happening to you. And then he kind of lets it slip that he's the one that closed the gate at the train station. And he is also the one that sent the rogue bludger after Harry at the Quidditch game. So he really didn't want him to come back. He also lets it slip that he really shouldn't have come back because history is about to repeat itself. 
he of course is like oh i shouldn't have told you that and harry obviously is going to go investigate on what he's talking about with history repeating itself because why wouldn't you this obviously means that the chamber of secrets has been opened before so we definitely need to find out who did that in the first place because i think we figure out it's been like 50 years since it was open last time so we're gonna have to do some digging in the process of this history lesson that they're going to have we're checking on the apologies potion make sure it's brewing and this is where we meet moaning myrtle she's a trip y'all like i i love and hate her at the same time it's really hard to like her because she just whines all the time which is the purpose of her name i know but she died in the bathroom and no one goes in that bathroom because she just whines all the time. Poor girl. She just has no friends. But she's in the rest of the movie, so I felt like I needed to mention her. Plus, her death comes into play at the end of this movie. So she is pretty important for this movie, at least. They've decided at the school, since all they've gotten this threat that the Chamber of Secrets has been opened, they think that the students need to know how to defend themselves, which I think is a great idea. But the person who's going to be teaching them this was not a great idea. It's your favorite professor, Lockhart. Snape is also helping, but he's not the one teaching the class because he's just a potions professor. But they teach them how to do a duel. And of course, for their presentation, I guess is what you would call it, they have Harry and Draco basically be their guinea pigs so they can show everybody what to do and all that good jazz. Well, as you can tell by previous events, it doesn't go well. Draco ends up casting a spell that makes a snake come after him. And as we remember from the first movie, Harry can talk to snakes, or he can at least hear them. Then we find out he can actually talk to them in another language, which is called Parcel Mouth. And everybody freaks out because Salazar Slytherin was a Parcel Mouth, so now we think that Harry is the heir of Slytherin. Dun, dun, dun. It's not looking very good for the students at Hogwarts. They all keep getting petrified. Colin gets petrified and they see that he has his camera because it was in front of his face. So they're like, oh, maybe you got a picture of what it was that attacked him. Well, the film explodes. So there goes that plan. There's also another student that gets petrified and I'm blanking on his name. I'm so sorry. But he was petrified because he saw whatever it was through nearly headless nick so he was only petrified not killed because they also found out that if it looks you in the eye then it will kill you so yay of course though when that last guy was petrified harry is the one that finds him and they jump to conclusions that he's the one that did it and he is sent to dumbledore's office this is where we meet dumbledore's phoenix fox well, of course he bursts into flames whenever harry comes in the office and harry freaks out and then Dumbledore's like, no, nah, it's cool. Once they're done, they catch on fire and then they're reborn from the ashes, which is cool. And we love Fox. He's very, he's very pretty. And I am not a bird person, but he is a very pretty bird. No surprise here though. Harry does not get in trouble for finding that kid petrified, which is good because it's Polyjuice potion time. It's ready. They're ready to go. Hermione, I blanked on who she stole a hair from in order to transform into and her name is Millicent Bulstrode. You never see what this girl looks like only you hear about her because Hermione talks about her in this movie. We find out that the potion only lasts for an hour and it works for Ron and Harry but not for Hermione. She plucked a cat hair 
off this poor girl's robe. So she's like half cat, half human. So obviously she can't come with them to interrogate Draco. And it's not interrogate. That's probably the wrong word. Question him kindly. But she sends Harry and Ron off to do what they need to do. And they do find Draco and he doesn't know anything. He said if he did, he would tell them. He said that his dad doesn't even know. And the only information that he has is that the last time that the Chamber of Secrets was open was 50 years ago. And when it was opened, it killed a student, whatever was in there. And that student was expelled for opening the Chamber of Secrets. And I feel like that is a very low punishment for opening something like that but I don't make the rules at this school. So after all that craziness happens, eventually that bathroom that they brewed the apologies potion in floods. And they, of course, think it's Moaning Myrtle that did it. And she says that it wasn't her, that someone came in there and threw a book at them. And she was really upset about it. She didn't see who it was, but they find the book that was thrown and it was a diary. And of course, Harry takes it. And we find out that if he writes a question or anything in it, it responds. The diary belonged to a Tom Riddle. And of course, he asked it a question about the Chamber of Secrets. And he said, the diary, not he. The diary says, I can't tell you anything about it, but I can show you. And it sucks him into the diary and takes him back 50 years to when it was originally opened. And it makes you think that Hagrid is the one that opened it. And the creature that killed the muggle girl was a big old spider that Hagrid was hiding. So Hagrid gets expelled and they take his wand and that's really all you find out. It bounces him back out of the diary and it doesn't really matter if he wanted to ask it any more questions because it gets stolen out of his room after his room was completely ransacked just to find this diary. And then we find out that poor Hermione has been petrified. And what are these boys going to do without her? Because they cannot survive on their own. They need her. So they go to Hagrid's place, Harry and Ron do, to try and ask him some questions about what happened whenever the Chamber of Secrets was originally opened. And basically if he had anything to do with it. And he says no. Obviously he didn't have anything to do with it. And they were like, oh, well, you know, what happened? And he won't tell them. He basically kind of keeps his mouth shut about the whole thing. Which is good because they get a visit from the Ministry of Magic and they end up taking him to Azkaban prison. And in the process, Dumbledore is relieved of his duties as headmaster. So it's just all falling apart around there at Hogwarts. But before Hagrid leaves to be taken to Azkaban prison, he does leave Harry and Ron a very cryptic message. And he said that if he was going to tell anybody anything, he would just tell them to follow the spiders. And that was it. And then he tells somebody needs to come and feed his dog while he's gone. So Ron and Harry do just that. They follow the spiders right into the dark forest. And I am with Ron 100% because this line is fantastic. He said, why does it have to be follow the spiders? Why can't it be follow the butterflies? Because those spiders lead to a very big spider. That spider is Aragog or I think it's Aragog is how you say it. And I'm probably butchering it and I'm sorry. But he is the spider that Hagrid was keeping in Hogwarts that they thought was the creature from the Chamber of Secrets. He is not a very friendly spider. No one is shocked. And he sends all of his, like, children to come and attack Harry and Ron. 
Well, luckily, the flying car shows up because it went and took shelter in the dark forest after it popped them out when they got to school. It gets them out of the forest, and then once it gets them back to Hagrid's house, it pukes them out again and goes right back into that forest because his work was done. And we appreciate that flying car for that. But I will say, all they found out from Aragog was that whatever it is that's down in the Chamber of Secrets, they're terrified of. So if those nasty things are terrified of it, it must be pretty terrible. This leads into the note that Harry finds in Hermione's hand while they're in the um, hospital wing looking after her. And it is an, not an article, but it is a page from a book talking about a basilisk. Basically, it's a big old snake. And it is basically all coming together. The page talks about how spiders flee from it. And you can't look it in the eye or, you know, you're going to die. And if you avoid eye contact, then you're petrified. But if it still sees you through like a mirror or anything like that, you're petrified. We all know this. And Hermione also answered the next question of how it's getting around the school. And it's the pipes. So they got to go down into the pipes to see what's going on. And remember how I said earlier that Moaning Myrtle's death comes into play? Here it is. The girl that died 50 years ago... She died in a bathroom, and it was Myrtle. And she tells them the story about how she died was someone was making fun of her. She was in the bathroom. She was crying, upset, and she heard someone in the bathroom. So she opened the door to tell them to go away, and she died. So obviously, it was the basilisk, and she made eye contact with it, and it killed her. So I would be a moaning basket case, too, if I died in a bathroom at the age of 16. But before we can go investigate about the pipes and the chamber of secrets, anything like that, we find out that Jenny has been taken by the basilisk down to the chamber of secrets. And it leaves a terrible note saying that her bones will, no, her skeleton will stay in the chamber for forever, basically. So they turn to Lockhart and say, it's your time to shine. You said you knew how to do this, and you said that it was moving through the pipes, and you know how to get into the Chamber of Secrets, so now's your time. He's like, yeah, of course, I'll do it. Let's go. And he's like, I just gotta go to my office and get some stuff. He is not getting stuff. That man was fleeing. And Ron and Harry catch him in the act, and they confront him and say, no, you're gonna come with us. But before they do that, they find out that the whole career that he's had has been based on lies because all the stories that he uses were from other wizards and he has used memory charms on them to make them forget that they had any of these adventures and that he can go in and living his happy carefree life so like i said he's a terrible person so like i said they take him along with them to the entrance which is in the bathroom where moaning myrtle died it's pretty cool you know, Harry speaks in parcel tongue, and the whole sink just kind of comes open, and they push Lockhart down first, and of course it's covered in bones, it's really nasty, and then they keep making their way, then Lockhart decides he's going to try and pull a fast one and steal Ron's wand. Number one, wrong person to steal it from. Number two, so happy he did, because he tries to perform a memory charm on Ron so that he'll forget everything that's happened but it of course backfires on him 
But when that happens, he bumps into the wall and causes an avalanche of rocks. And of course, it separates Harry and Ron. And Harry has to go and fight this battle by himself. Who's shocked? Not me. Harry makes his way to another entrance where he has to speak more partial tongue, which lets him in. He finds Jenny at the end of this long... I don't even know what to call it. It's not a hallway. It's just this big open area that has snakes all around it and then this big giant head at the end. But she's down there at the end towards the head and she is unconscious. And then we see someone appearing from the shadows and it's Tom. Tom Riddle. Tom Marvolo Riddle. We switch some letters around and that spells out I am Lord Voldemort. So, it's Lord Voldemort's ghost when he was like 16. He preserved himself in that diary that Lucius gave to Jenny at the very beginning. And he basically like put her in a trance. Like she didn't know that she was doing any of this stuff. She didn't know that she was going to open the Chamber of Secrets. She didn't know any of this stuff. She was basically just a guinea pig to get him to what he needed, which was this meeting with Harry Potter because he's who he's after. Not muggles anymore. He doesn't care. He just wants Harry. So, of course, he releases the basilisk to kill Harry. But before that can happen, Fox shows up with the sorting hat. Gift from Dumbledore. It's empty. It's not very helpful. And, of course, he drops that hat and he takes off running because this big old snake is after him. And I ain't gonna stand there and wait. But as the snake is chasing him and Harry is running, Fox sweeps in again and blinds the basilisk. So 10 points for Gryffindor on that. And, but it can still hear him. So, I mean, the threat isn't totally eliminated. He manages to fool it. He gets back to Jenny and then the snake reappears. Well, then all of a sudden in the sorting hats, the sword of Godric Gryffindor appears. So that is very helpful. So thanks Dumbledore for the hat. Really appreciate it. He uses it to stab the basilisk through the head. But he also gets a fang stuck in his arm. And then we learn that the basilisk venom is, of course, deadly. Not shocking there. And somehow he figures out that if he stabs the diary, that will work. So he does. He stabs it repeatedly and... It starts to bleed, and then Tom starts to disappear. They win. Jenny wakes up. She doesn't remember anything. Bless that poor girl. And they make it back. Fox flies them out from the Chamber of Secrets. They make it back safe. And no one is in trouble. Oh, and I forgot to mention earlier, whenever the Phoenix caught on fire and then was reborn from the ashes, Dumbledore also gave this little snippet that their tears have healing powers so when harry got stabbed by that fang fox just cried a little bit on his arm and it healed so harry is a-okay not shocked that he didn't die because we still have six more movies ahead of us but like i said they make it back and no one is in trouble and dumbledore is back to being headmaster so all is right in the world and he tells ron to go send an owl to azkaban to release hagrid so not shocking that Dumbledore is making everything right again. He does ask him, though, about the parcel tongue. He finds it very weird that he can speak parcel tongue, and so can Voldemort. And then we find out that unintentionally, Voldemort transferred some of his powers to Harry the night that his parents were killed. 
So that explains why he can talk to snakes. And there's more to come from that later on down the line. And we will definitely dive into that later. Like I said, Harry did figure out that Lucius was the one that gave Jenny the diary. And he confronts him about it. And we find out in the midst of all that, that Dobby is the house elf for the Malfoys. So no wonder he is so unhappy. But he confronts Lucius about it, tries to give him the diary back. Lucius gives the diary to Dobby because he's like, I don't want this. In the diary, there is a sock. And the whole thing with house elves is they're not free until they're presented with clothes from their master. Well, since Lucius gave Dobby that diary that had that sock in it, even though it was Harry's sock, he's still a free elf. So, yay! And then I feel like Lucius definitely overreacts at this point. He tries to cast the killing curse on a young child, all because he lost his servant. I feel like that was a bit of an overreaction there. But nonetheless... Dobby kicks butt, saves Harry's butt, and then all is right in the world because Hermione is awake, Hagrid's released from Azkaban, and it's another year down at Hogwarts. A crazy year, but another year down. And let me just say, no matter how many times I watch this movie, I still cry every single time that Hagrid walks through those doors, and him and Harry hug, and they all start clapping for him. It's just so emotional, and it gets me every time. As always, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We will be back on April 8th with my husband's favorite movie, and it is the third movie in this series, The Prisoner of Azkaban. So until then, go to my TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all are at Movie Theater Mom. Give me a follow and keep up with what's going on. I would really appreciate it just as much as I appreciate you guys listening to me ramble today. So until then, see you next time. Thank you.